1: This week on Barca Talk, we say goodbye to Mascherano and hasta luego to Rafinha. Barca B got three crucial points, and Femini are still on top of Liga Femenina. We're into the semifinal of the Copa del Rey, and we're still undefeated in La Liga. We also have scouting reports for Valencia and Español. So, vamos! Hey everybody, welcome to Barca Talk, Brian Henderson here, and joining me as always is your co-host, Gabriel Quiroga. Brian, my Barca brother from a different mother and fellow
0: Kool-Aids. welcome to episode 63. We have a lot in store today, and I am feeling all right, Brian, I'm feeling all right. How are you doing?
1: <laughs> I'm doing okay, I'm doing better than you actually. You're feeling all right now, but we postponed our um, our recording time by about a half hour, just so you could get yourself together because you were not feeling well this morning (laughs) yeah i was not uh i went to
0: a going away party for a friend of mine who's moving back to london but let me tell you brian pizza is a magical drug my friend pizza is a magical drug (laughs) so they have good pizza in madrid oh yeah we have we have really good pizza and the best part too is with the apps that you have now you can like track it so it's not like you order it and then it's like you have to wait 45 minutes you can actually see when it's going into the oven and all this stuff so it's it's pretty it's pretty amazing. And I'm also really happy, Brian, because finally I was able to watch the La Liga games, the Copa del Rey with my new uh, Movistar Internet streaming service. And it's magical. It's magical. Again, with pizza and the, and the streaming Internet, I'm super happy. It's it's been a revelation because, for example, yesterday I was working. I was able to watch the uh, Barca Femini that was on gold tv here which i probably never would have watched and i was able to watch another match and it's just it's amazing it's like having sunday ticket nfl sunday ticket but now it's like it's for real like i don't have to look for illegal streams and wait and have bad streaming and everything's in hd so my viewing experience of la liga has exponentially gone better
1: yeah and so you you got you got tv service and but you also got an actual tv right i did not get a tv yet (laughs) <laughs> oh, you're still working yeah, on still that. Yeah, I'm still working on that. So I have I have a
0: double screen setup, and so one of the monitors is pretty big that I use as my TV, so I watch movies on that thing. And so I was able to, you know, while I'm working on my desk, I can, I can have the game in the, in the background, and it's amazing because the now I can watch the pre-game show, the post-game show, and everything is just, it's it's pretty amazing. So I have, like, football 24-7 now.
1: Yeah, and I know the feeling because we just got a TV over the uh, Christmas break, and It's so great to be able to watch the game on the TV and write my notes for the show on my computer without having to switch windows back and forth. Because before, you know, I'd been doing it on just my my little 12-inch MacBook (laughs) for everything. So I can understand just how much better your life has gotten. And you have access to all these new channels. You could watch Barca B. You could watch FCB Femini. So that's awesome for you. Yeah, definitely. And the other thing, too, you know, it's just like if I want to watch the news – I can just have the news
0: on there practice my spanish obviously so it's just it's this when they finally activated on on when actually i think on thursday right before the copa del rey match and i was like all right this is going to be pretty awesome and it was it was you know it's an hd quality it doesn't um it doesn't get hung up at all and it's oh my gosh it was just it was like the best
1: match experience i've had in a long time awesome you know, I was I was actually just checking uh, the weather cuz here in Buffalo things have kind of warmed up the last couple of days. The snow melted and it's been in the 30s and 40s, which has been, um, you know, for January in Buffalo it's it's very it's beyond tolerable. It's it's almost downright nice. Of course there's still this canopy of of clouds just overcast all the time and it starts to get you down. And and then I check my weather app on my phone and you know, I have multiple cities in there just for for reference and for fun. Whenever I check how the weather is doing in Barcelona, for example, versus Buffalo, it's um, it's always a little, a little depressing. Like right now in Buffalo, it's like in the 30s. But in Barcelona right now, it's 59 degrees, mostly sunny. It just makes me think how I wish I were there. So speaking of Barcelona, you're going to be going there in April pretty soon for this uh, fan tour. We're, and let's just talk about the fan tour for a couple of minutes. But first, I want to know... Is there a place in Barcelona that's your favorite place aside from the Camp Nou? Yeah, I have a couple, but uh, one of my f- most favorite areas is the Bourne
0: district, and that's – it's a neighborhood really close to Barceloneta, which is the, the touristy beach area. But I really like this Bourne area because it's it's near Gothic area, but it's also a really cool area to you know, kind of drink – eat um, people watch and you're also close to the beach and you can find little nooks and crannies and really cool places to eat now it is a little bit touristy but also um, it's just fun just really hang out there and check it out so that's definitely one of my favorite spots around barcelona to hang out um, have a drink of vermouth, um, vermouth here. It's like a sweet wine. It's not like the vermouth with you in the States with, uh, martinis, but, um, yeah, it's, it's just a really cool place. It's, hi- it's kind of hipster a little bit, but in a, in a not pretentious way, you know? So, you know, uh, but it's a lot of fun, especially in the, when the weather's really great. It's just, there's so much activity going on in there. So have you ever visited the Born area?
1: I have, uh, cause when I was staying in Barcelona the last time we were staying in El Raval, which is right near Bourne. So we were touring all around that part of town. We went to Barceloneta a little bit. We were in the Gothic district. We went to El Bourne. And, of course, we were up in, like, more other areas, like at and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, the Bourne district is really cool. And I would think that in April, like, when you're going to be there for this fan tour... It's going to be still be off-season, so it, the tourism factor won't be too high. You know, in summer, it probably is just ridiculous. But in April, it'll be pretty manageable, I would think. Yeah,
0: it'll be a good weekend because the weather should be, you know, probably around 70 degrees or so. There'll be a good amount of, you know people it won't be too touristy like you said like in the summertime and it'll be a good way of seeing the city especially like it won't be as crowded seeing um sagrada familia and the different sites that barcelona has to offer you know
1: it's funny that you mentioned la sagrada familia because that's that is my single favorite place maybe in the world actually not just in barcelona and i know that it's touristy uh but i just love it you know i've i have felt i'm not a particularly laid-back person i'm a little intense (laughs) But so there's two places in the world where I have felt genuinely relaxed just by being in the environment that I was in. One of them was at the Blue Lagoon in Iceland. So if you ever go to Iceland, definitely do those hot springs because they're awesome. But the second was in La Sagrada Familia. Just the way that, that, the, that the light comes in through the stained glass windows and and the way that the towers go above you. And they have these these skylights at the top of those incredibly tall towers. The way that the light comes in and it's adorned, it looks like you're looking off into infinity. You know, I'm a I'm a composer. That's another thing that I do. It's, some would even argue it's the main thing that I do, um, even though lately I don't feel like it is. But that's just, you know, artistic angst. So just get used to it. But if there were one place in the whole world where I could have a piece of my music performed, it would be in La Sagrada Familia. It's just a, it's a very beautiful and transcendent place for me that's that's one of my that's one of my favorite places in the world so obviously this is not some you know out of the way hot travel tip but i just love it now i do have a small hot tip which is uh there's a spot in el raval the neighborhood el raval called la whiskeria and my experience in barcelona although limited is that it's kind of hard to find fine whiskeys in barcelona you know you're more apt to find good wine uh, maybe some beer but uh, fine whiskies aren't really the uh, order of the day there. But at La Whiskeria, if you're a whiskey fan like I am, this is the place to go. It's very cozy. They have fine whiskeys. I just double-checked if it was still there, and it is. So that's my more you know out-of-the-way tip for anyone traveling to Barcelona. And, of course, the reason we're talking about this is because of our Barca Talk fan tour from April 13th to 16th for the Valencia match at the Camp Nou. This is a tour that XL Sports Tours has put together for us. You stay at a four-star hotel. You get tickets to the comp new experience. You get to attend a live, the first ever, live Barca Talk show with Gabriel after the Valencia match. And uh, XL Sports Tours have been really great so far getting this set up for us. So they're a class act. They've been doing this for a long time. We're going to have bilingual tour guides on hand. You'll have plenty of time to do your own sightseeing in addition to the, uh, you know, the official events. And it's just going to be a magical experience. The tour costs $2,000, and if you need to, you could pay in $500 installments if you need. So if you want to do that, sign up for it. Go to barsatalk.net, click on the link for the fan tour, and enter code BT18 to check it out and sign up for this tour. But let's get into the show proper. Uh, So we have two news and notes that we want to talk about. First one being... Mascherano's farewell so there were actually two uh two events the main one was actually the day before the Espanol match they had a big ceremony press conference videos and things indoors you know videos with all the current team talking about what an example he's been in the dressing room and and on the pitch there was a special video greeting from Xavi of course this is all because uh, the official word has come that Mascherano is leaving he's going to to China to uh, finish out his career more than likely um, but he's uh, his time at Barcelona is over and it was just it was a really actually touching ceremony the uh, the one the day before the Espanol match they had all the trophies that he helped win on display it was like 14 trophies not including whatever they wind up winning this year which I think should be counted and they had officials from the club who had plenty of nice things to say but I especially liked all the remarks from the players and there were plenty of tears and, and I was feeling that too. Did you watch, did you watch the uh, video? Of that? Yeah, I did. I
0: watched the video and I watched, um, you know, all the things that FC Barcelona packaged for his, you know, for him leaving the team and so forth. And it was really touching because, you know, it's one of those things, you know, especially lately he hasn't been playing that much, but you forget, well, my, I forgot a little bit about how important he really was to our teams. And, you know, he, he was really important to our teams. Like he, he made a a huge change to go from you know defensive mid to center back when we absolutely had no center backs, and not only did he do an average job, he did an you know an an amazing job. You know he held the fort with PK back there for many many games, and yeah you know for me when I always see these retirement things, I always find it you know interesting to see the players how they react and how they remark and what they want to do because that tells you how he was in the locker room and from all the messages and, you know, you saw Iniesta having a tear in his eye and so forth. Like you can just tell that genuinely they all really cared for him. And, you know, they were sad to see him go because, you know, sometimes like when you see, I don't, I'm trying to think of like, um, like when Kobe Bryant retired, like they just gave him a high five, like his teammates, you know, because he's quote unquote, like a selfish player. Right. And he's not so endearing. Right. And so when you saw the video, like, I remember I saw uh, Ter Stegen had a really nice message and it's just like, you know, first of all, he's doing it in a second language. And also, like, you can tell, like, it was a genuine message. It wasn't just, like, thanks, and that's it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was, like, a very nice message. So so they did a really good job, and and, and obviously the um, the Honor Guard, too, was really cool as well.
1: Yeah, they did the Honor Guard-style entry for him just before the Espanol match. So that was a much quicker affair. You know, it wasn't it wasn't on the order of, like, when xavi left, of course, because... There's Chobby, and then there's Mascherano, right? But they still they gave him the, the Honor Guard-style entry onto the pinch. He came out with his kids, his family, waved to all the fans, hugs all around, and, and all around the Camp new banners and signs. It was really a proper send-off for someone who really has given so much to the club. And you... And I had talked about this in a previous episode that you were you were saying you really hope that they give him a proper send off. And I think they uh, I think they managed to do it. Yeah, I, I think they did,
0: too. And, you know, the other thing,
1: too, I was watching was like when he was living, the, leaving the Camp
0: No, like he was just like you can just see like it's like two things. It's like, yeah, I'm leaving Barcelona, but it's like I'm going to China. Like it's totally distinct. Right. And that's the thing, too, is like I know that we got a good deal through China, but I wonder like. I mean, was that the best deal? I mean, why did he want to go to China? You know, I just feel like it's so, oh, man, it's such a different world, you know? Like, not only culturally, but fo- footballistically, you know? Like, it's just, like, he's. you're probably never going to hear about him anymore unless something drastic happens to him, you know?
1: Right. Well, you know, we don't hear much about Chavi anymore, even though he's playing in, uh, what, Cotter. Yeah,
0: exactly. I mean, I know that that's where the money is because they're trying to do kind of like what the MLS did was, like, Get these expensive um, players at the end of their career to try to get some notoriety, and I and I understand that model, especially when you're a new league. But at the same time, just from Mascherano's point of view, like he couldn't have gone to like another La Liga team, or yeah, I don't know. I just I don't know. I just think it's it's kind of weird, but I, I understand
1: uh, money talks, right? It's always about the money. I don't think it's entirely about the money. I, I'm sure that there's plenty of money on the table for him, and it certainly had something to do with it, but. Again, like if you look at the Chabi example, Chabi went to Qatar because he was kind of interested in developing the game in that region. And of course, China has a longer history, I think, of a footballing culture. But as far as these leagues, they've really in the recent years started to get better and better players. Of course, they're still following that model of that MLS has as well. MLS teams, you know, getting. Uh, top-class European players to sign on. You know, we got David Villa, we got Pirlo, you got Beckham all playing in MLS. So maybe he's just interested in helping to develop the game in China. Maybe he's actually just interested in China. You know, I I, I didn't catch everything, all of his press conferences and everything he said to the press. Uh, I've been busy with certain things, uh, so I, <laughs> I don't know. But maybe he's remarked on this for all I know. And I was also thinking that since now he's been playing with Paulinho for half a season, who did play in China, you know, maybe he was talking with Pauly and he was uh, got some feedback from Pauly about what it's like to play in China. Maybe that helped him. And uh, I was also thinking about this. I mean, honestly, like so many thoughts came to mind after watching this. Uh, we were talking about Ronaldinho last week and you shared that story about when uh, the fire department had to come to his house at Christmas and his house was totally empty and he was all alone and you know Mascherano, he has his entire family there as a support system but as far as his teammates former and and future you know he'll i imagine if he's having a, a rough time in china he can get on the phone and call polly i mean like how do you do this how do you deal with with living in china man and i feel like he would be there
0: no you have a good point there i mean he has a support system so hopefully he won't be too lonely and again it's just going to be a couple of years too so it's nothing uh, long long term um, but we'll see. I mean, I, I'm I'm just glad that uh, Barcelona was able to give him a proper send-off. And obviously, um, the fans were able to show their appreciation as well.
1: Yeah, now just another sub-topic on this. Did you notice how Ter Stegen gave his farewell to Mache in Spanish, but Sillison spoke in English? I find that... I have to call Sillison out a little bit on this. Because they've both been playing in Spain about the same amount of time... And frankly, Ter Stegen works more than Sillison. So why isn't Sillison doing his homework and studying his Spanish a little bit more? I don't know, but uh the man, man. He speaks like so many languages, you know, and he speaks
0: it so well. Like I've I've heard him in interviews in English and in Spanish and he he's got it down packed. And yeah, no, I, I totally noticed that as well when Sillison did it in English, but also maybe he wanted to express himself better. I, I, who knows? But yeah, you have a good point.
1: Yeah, that could be because like, also it's fair. I mean, English is not his native language, so I don't know. But maybe he's just he feels better at English and more secure, and he wanted to make sure that he got the right message across. That's that's fair. But still, why isn't he? You know, he's he doesn't play. <laughs> I know, games I, know. As Ter <laughs> I know, But you know,
0: Terstegan also has to manage the game in Spanish. You know, so maybe he has more of a you know a goal for that. You know what I'm saying? Like when you, you know, when he first came to the season or when he first came. When he first came to Barcelona, you know, we had Bravo. And so he was probably learning Spanish and knowing that he was going to be eventually the number one. And obviously, when he's doing the calls on the pitch and stuff, he's probably doing it in Spanish. And so he probably had, yeah, that's what I would say. But I, I totally get what you're saying. But
1: Silicin's English is pretty damn good, though. Well, yeah, his English is very good. And I'm just, I'm just giving him a little bit of grief. It's not, I'm not that outraged about it or anything. All right, but anyway, let's talk about our next item, which is that it's official that Rafinha is going to be going off to Inter. Uh, So they're taking him on loan for the remainder of the season, and they will have the option to buy for 35 million euros with an extra 3 million possible in variables. And if they exercise that option, they'll have to finalize that before the end of the season. So also Inter will be paying Rafinha's salary. Now, there's always a question as to who will pay the salary with these loan deals, but uh, it's funny that Barcelona was eager to point out that Inter would assume that cost in their announcement. Yeah, I had a, I had a funny text message from my dad yesterday. He says, uh, Rafinha's
0: on Bayern, question mark? And I go, and I was like, <laughs> what? So then I, t- I text him back. I go, uh, you mean Rafinha from Barcelona? And he goes, yeah. When, he goes, when did he dye his hair blonde and when did he go to Bayern? And I'm like, <laughs> And, I, and you know, I woke up to this, right? So I was like, okay. So then I was like doing – and I was like, oh, my God. My dad thinks – there's obviously a different Rafinha on, on Bayern, right? And he spells his name the same. So I text my dad. I go, dad, there's two Rafinhas in world soccer, right? Apparently. Rafinha just went to Inter. My dad's like, oh, thanks. That's why you have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right, Gus. That's why we have a podcast and you don't. Yeah, so I just thought that was funny. You know, cuz like especially with the time difference, I'll wake up and I'll have like a bunch of WhatsApps and my dad's WhatsApp was at the top and it just says Rafinha to Bayern and I was and I was like, "What is going on here?" you know? So, but I again, I think this is a great move for Rafinha because he's going to be able to play. It's uh, you know, a quality team. You know, it's not like a it's not a second-tier team. Um, most likely he's going to start a bunch of the games as long as he's healthy and we'll see how it holds up. And at the end of um, this season, they'll be able to evaluate where to go with him. But I don't think he's going to have too many opportunities at Barca. I think they're just going to loan him out again for the next season. And I don't know. We'll see, we'll see how he holds up because it's always, it's not a matter of his talent or his play. It's just being able to
1: play, you know, not being injured. Yeah. Well, that's, that has been the thing that has been affecting his career in the last few years uh really heavily i mean you know this last injury he had to have two surgeries he was out for over nine months i mean it was a really tough pull for him but he came out of it in that last time where he played you know what 18 20 minutes he looked actually pretty good and there was also that nice moment when he got tackled and he got right up and everything was fine going about his business so he does look healthy at the moment The only question is, you know, can he stay healthy?
0: Yeah, those uh, Alcantara ligaments, man, they have those weak weak knee ligaments because his brother, too, has had, you know, problems with his knee throughout his career. So I don't know if their dad, I don't know, needs some more collagen in their diet or something. I don't know, but... uh, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, Just a little bit of collagen on your pasta. (laughs) Exactly, along with some Parmesan cheese, right? But... uh, (laughs) But, um, but you know, it's it's sad to see him go because he's been, you know, in Barca for so long. You know, he's been part of – you know, he's grown up through La Masia and everything. But at the same time, you know, this just happens in world football. You, you, you have to be able to play, and that's part of not only meeting your potential, like, talent-wise, but also you have to not be injured as much, unfortunately. So uh, hopefully he'll have some good playing time, and we'll see how – what he does in the summer and we evaluate that at the summertime.
1: Yeah, well, the, you know the main incentive for him is is getting time in the World Cup, right? He wants to play for Brazil in the World Cup and get as many minutes as he can in that tournament. So I think that's the main incentive for him to go to Inter or any other club just so that he can get playing time because at the moment on Barcelona with the squad as it is and him just coming back from injury, it's a little bit questionable as to whether he's going to get any time there so it's ultimately probably better for him in that short term now here's a question for you if the you know with our squad the way it is if he does really well at inter in these these months do you think barcelona would pick him back up or just take him back from loan and start to play him and plan for him for next season or do you think inter will exercise the option to buy so i think it all just depends on if
0: he survives the season you know, playing like X amount of minutes, right? So if let's say he plays more than 10 games or 15 games, then I think Inter will buy him because I think Barcelona, especially Val, Val Green right now, I think he's comfortable obviously with Andres Gomes, right? And so he'd rather have Andres Gomes, even though I don't like him, but he's not, in, you know, he's not injury prone like Rafinha. And so Val Green has more confidence in Andres Gomes to be healthy, even though the talent, you know, you, you I would say Rafinha is, has a higher talent ceiling than Andres Gomes, right? But Andres Gomes is really dependable. He's he's always there, right? He doesn't get hurt. So I think the writing was on the wall already, and I think that's why it's important not only for the World Cup, like you mentioned, but also, you know, maybe he finds a new home in Inter. He, he does have some friends there, and maybe he just find you know, sometimes you just need to find your own team and find your own spot and be the man on the team and – they're going to depend on him, and that's going to be a new feeling for him. Because in Barcelona, we did not depend on him, and hopefully that'll give him some confidence. Again, it just really just goes to his injury. You know, as long
1: as he's he's playing, he'll have a great career going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And do you think that you'll watch more Serie A now that he's playing for Inter? Like, are you going to watch an Inter game here and there? Uh, no. <laughs> no, you're, you're no. shaking your head. I'm not. I wish that I would. I honestly wish that I would have the the motivation to at least you know check in on him I don't think I will no though. it's it's too hard
0: man we got to focus on La Liga for the podcast and stuff and you know it's it's hard like I used to watch more EPL games it's like when there were good games you know like let's say Chelsea Arsenal and stuff like that but lately I've just been really focused on watching La Liga and keeping on that but I do have a, a really quick funny story so I had when I first moved to Madrid I lived in a house with six other people and it was like the United Nations. So I was the American. There was an Italian. There was a Spanish person. Like it was from all over the, Europe, basically. And one of my roommates, one of my really good friends, it was Gio, Giovanni, and he's from Rome. And so he supports Roma. And this guy would watch the Roma games on his laptop and yelling at this screen. And it would be like match day five. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, Gio, you're going to like have a heart attack. And I go, plus you're Roma. Like... You know, I was like, relax, you know, because I think it was like 1-1, and he would just be yelling, and I would always record him and send it to my friends because it was the funniest thing to see. So if anything to watch Serie A is to watch Italians, watching Serie A is the best thing ever because I was just just amazed of how much passion he had, and it was just like match day five against like Genoa, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? It wasn't even like a derby, it was just like some (laughs) random match day, you know? So I always have really good memories of that, but... I mean, Serie A for me hasn't been a decent league in a long time. You know, when AC Milan, like I remember when I first started watching world football, you know, it was AC Milan where the top dogs and then Inter when Ronaldo was there. But Serie A has a lot of problems. And, and plus, I've just been more interested in La Liga and the English Premier League. So even though Rafinha is going there, maybe I'll because when I watch the sports shows, they'll keep track of that, of players in Europe that, you know, because he's an important player. I'll keep an eye like that, but I won't. I won't follow
1: Inter at all. Yeah, you're not going to put the the Inter match on your calendar to make sure that you you watch it in live time. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's it for the news right now. Um, our next thing is uh, we have one community announcement actually, and this was not a message so much. Uh, uh, Victor from uh, the Houston cooles got in touch with me on Facebook and just shared this announcement with me. Um, So this is exciting. The Houston Aids, which were formed just a year ago in January 2016, they have now become an official Pena, uh, Pena Blaugrana Houston. So they just announced their official status with the club as a Pena this last week. And right now they are looking to build membership with an inaugural membership rate of zero dollars. That's pretty good. So um, if there's a Barcelona game on TV... And you're in Houston. You can most likely find them at the Richmond Arms Pub in Houston. And if you want to find out more about the Houston Kool-Aid's and get involved with them, you can just find them on Facebook. Just look for Houston Koolays. So congratulations to Victor and the other um, organizers in that group. I have heard that getting Pena status is not always easy to get. So good on you.
0: Yeah. So congratulations, and this is just great news because you know the Pena's are starting to become more and more prominent all over the U.S. You know, with San Francisco, New York, and it just. More and more people are starting to follow FC Barcelona, which is great.
1: Yeah, and so if there's anyone out there who has a fan group, whether you're an official Peña or not, if you have any announcements or anything, let us know and we'll, you know, we'll help spread the word gladly because I would be much happier if there were more Barcelona fans in the U.S. Also, Victor, let me know that if I'm in the Houston area, you know, if, when I go on my, my Goodwill Barca Talk tour, visiting all the Peñas, I, I have a place to stay in Houston. Yeah, and uh, don't forget to be kissing those babies, right, and shaking hands. <laughs> That's right. Big. I want. I want big banners. I want. I need a slogan, right? I need a slogan to to run under. But yeah, Barca talk twenty something. We'll do the. Uh, we'll do the full tour of all the penas. All right. So let's talk about Barca B. They actually had a pretty good result this past week. They beat Granada three nothing. And they earned a, a really crucial three points. Yeah, a really great victory. I saw the
0: highlights of this. I mean, we we're going to talk about the goals, but again, another important victory against Granada, who recently were just in La Liga. So that's a really strong team. And again, we just have to sprinkle in a couple of victories in here and just be not in the relegation zone, and we'll be fine. You know, and we'll be fine. So, so, yeah. so, Brian, here's my question: Ever since uh, Carlos Perez moved up to Barca B. The team, attacking-wise, has been putting more goals in and performing a lot better. So do you think Carlos Perez was the missing link to this season?
1: I think so, honestly. Uh, but also, you know, Mark Cardona has been uh, performing better this year also. So Carlos Perez, for anyone who doesn't know, he just came up to Barcelona B this year from Juvenil A. So he's a straight-up academy La Masia player. Um, But I guess he wasn't playing a whole lot earlier on because lately he's been getting, I think, more appearances and suddenly our performance has gone way up. And, of course, you know, our nice, the signing of our nice uh, at the beginning of this year was also, I think, a a good move. Yeah,
0: and, and the other thing, too, is like on the first goal, we'll talk about the first goal by Alenia, which was a really nice left foot long distance shot. It hits the post. And, again, Alenia just is looking way more comfortable on the ball. He's obviously, you know... The driving force of the attack now and he just looks especially with the experience he's been having with the senior team you can just see and his body you know brian again i'm a body language expert so just watching the highlights just watching the highlights you just look like like he's the man of the team you know you know you know what i'm saying like he just especially in this goal he takes the ball goes to the left and just hits
1: it and he's like yep i knew it was going in (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean it was really beautiful because he was just there outside the box and he lost his marker coming from outside to inside, and he just set up his own shot, took it from distance, and it was really well done. But yeah, I think you're right. Just watching him, even in these highlights, just in the short highlights that we, that I get to see, you can tell that he looks like a captain out there on the B team, on the senior team. You know, he still looks like a kid learning the ropes, but on the B team, he absolutely looks like a captain. So he's he's got his uh, he's got one boot in one place and another boot in the other. Exactly, and you know. The
0: second goal was a nice goal. It was a corner kick. It was a little bit of a slop goal. You know, there was a lot of chaos. The ball actually looked like it went in on the first way, you know, and the keeper took it out. Again, no goal line technology. But then, um, you know, Miranda was there for the putback and was able to get that.
1: Yeah. And it's nice because he's a defender. So. You know, defenders don't always have uh, that many opportunities to score goals. Of course, set pieces are usually their time to shine, and Juan Miranda showed up. You know, when it fell to his feet, he put it away really nicely.
0: Yeah, and then on the third goal was my favorite goal. I think it was a really nice counter. Granada was definitely pushing, and Perez led the attack, and it was really a great movement by Cardona because Cardona went up the middle, and then he flanked out right side, basically, creating all this space, and Perez found him with a... I mean, when I was watching the highlights, I was like, pass sooner, pass sooner. But he made the right decision because when he passed it, uh, um, Cardona was one-on-one with the goalkeeper and then he finished it clinically.
1: Yeah, so I mean, it was actually kind of a two-on-three situation. Perez and Cardona and then three Granada defenders and all three of them... So Perez had the ball, right? And all three defenders are triple-teaming Perez while Cardona is drifting out wide. And just the fact that Perez got that pass through to Cardona, I think, really points out the quality that he's bringing right now. Yeah, and
0: also he didn't go offside either. Instead of going forward, he went parallel, essentially, and waited and then got the pass and was able to finish it. So really nice counter by Perez and Cardona. So, you know, another great victory, and those three points are crucial. Like we said, it doesn't matter if they're 17th, 18th, 16th, right? They just cannot be the bottom three. So whatever that is.
1: Yeah, and also uh, got to give a uh, hats off to Ortola, the goalkeeper for Barca B, because he made a couple of quality saves in this game also to keep the clean sheet. Yeah, and, and that's the other thing,
0: too, is in the last three weeks, they've been playing better defense. They've been converting their attacking chances. Remember, a lot of times in the games in the first half of the season, we were saying, you know, they they were controlling the pace. They had possession. They were you know having attacking opportunities but they weren't converting and now they're starting to convert those opportunities and you can see we've strung two victories in a row here
1: yeah so in the table now they're in 18th place just one point ahead of almeria who have a game in hand but this win was absolutely crucial and granada is like you've mentioned is not a pushover side these are guys like so many in the second division who were in the first division not long ago or just last season i think
0: yeah and you know this is again a they're gonna face all these teams. You know, these teams are—they were recently in La Liga. They still have a good payroll. They still have adult men playing on their teams. You know, so. Um, but again, it's, you know, like we were talking about last week in the episode of um, maybe putting, you know, if, we, if I was in charge of Barcelona, putting those two spots for Barça B players, like this excites me to see them playing and winning and competing at this high level in the Segunda. I just Like we always talk about, we, I just hope that they continue and they can stay up because that'll just give us so much experience for these players so that when they move up, it's not such a
1: drastic leap. Yeah, and of course, that's the most crucial thing is to give these guys as much professional training as they can get while still wearing the blue and the red. Yeah, now their next match is gonna be against Córdoba, which is one of the few teams who is actually doing worse than Barcelona B in the second division. They're currently in twentieth place with only nineteen points. So this could be another one of those matches where we could grab a draw, hopefully a win, and you know, keep those keep our second team players in the second division so they can keep getting that experience.
0: So I was just thinking about this while you were speaking, was that um, maybe, you know, since it is the second half of the season, right, and they're starting to see their opponents for the second time, maybe they've kind of mentally said, okay, we've seen all the teams. We we know we can measure up with them, and now it's kind of like we can play with these people, you know, and maybe that kind of – that psychological edge where – I remember like when I used to play sports and there was like when I was 12 or 13 and I jumped to a a higher division, you know, those first couple games, you're kind of in awe of the talent that's better than you. You know what I'm saying? But then once you hang in there and you say, okay, I can do this and I can, I'm, I can hang in this league. Maybe that's happening a little bit with Barca B in that they've already seen these teams and now they're like, okay, look, we are, we're pretty good too. You know, we can handle our own And, and maybe just having that first victory and then, Obviously this weekend's victory that's gonna give them some extra
1: confidence and and maybe like, string some more victories together. Yeah, so maybe this second half will actually turn out to be more successful than the first. I like that I like that idea. That makes sense too, because they've essentially they've scouted everyone. They've they've played everyone and they know that they can more or less hang. You know, they 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 haven't had like the greatest record, obviously, but they have put together six wins, they have nine draws, nine losses. I would hope to see just slightly more wins. And, uh, well, fewer losses. Yeah. I, That's the main thing. Fewer losses, more draws. And yeah, I agree. But I, you know, like I said, like just from what
0: I've seen, the last two games and the highlights, there's just something about them now that I just kind of may lead to what I was saying about maybe they've realized that they can play in this league and they, yeah, they are the babies of the, of the league, but also they're really talented, you know? And so they can hang, you know, and I think it's just going to help them in the long run.
1: Absolutely. So let's turn our focus to FCB Femeni. Now, again, they're they're riding high. They're on top. They just had a 3-0 win against Albacete. Had goals from Lika Martins, Tony Duggan, and Patrick Guijaro. Now, that first goal from Martins, it was really sweet. You know, she was driving down the left, as she does so well. And she actually tried to put a cross in, but it was deflected. And then it just bounced right back to her in some space that the defender had left behind. Defender lost her feet. And it was kind of a tight angle, but she just slotted it in at the near post. Like she's, I mean, she's the best. She's been literally voted the best. I'm not, uh, you know. I'm not going crazy here when I say that Lika Martins is the best. Everyone agrees. The world agrees, Brian. The world agrees. Um, I was able to
0: watch this match, you know, especially (laughs) with my new Movistar Football Total package, you know. So um, I was able to watch most of this game. And for me, it's when I was watching this match, it's just the physical dominance of Barcelona over Albacete. And the the game could have been 10 or 11 nothing. But the goalie for Albacete had some really great saves. But again, the partnership between Martins and Dugan is pretty magical. I I have here in my notes, it reminds me a little bit of the Suarez-Messi connection, whereas Martins is like the playmaker, makes all those passes like Messi, and then Dugan is just clinical. Like, that second goal she had was just a thing of beauty. It was just from outside the box. uh, It was kind of like a give-and-go play that happened, and then she just hits it in the low right corner, just clinical finish. And again, the women just continue to pile up these victories. And from what I saw, too, is not only they are... The way they can pass and move, they have that Barca style, but the the clinical finishing that they have with Martins and Dugan is is unmatched by any team
1: in La Liga. Yeah, and just recently they picked up this new this new fullback Pearl Maroni from PSG. And on that Duggan goal, it was actually I mean it was spectacular. It started actually with a throw in in the Barca half, and our new fullback Pearl Maroni. She popped it over the heads of a few Albacete players to Duggan. Then she played it back to Martins on the first touch. And then they were all just off to the races, right? Martins plays it through for Duggan again, down the left side. And then she made a final one-touch play with Vicky Lasada to get the ball back. And then just rifled it in from the corner of the box. It was beautiful.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, the physicality that the Barca feminine have is just, it's unsurpassed, right? Maybe with Atletico, they can match with them, but... You know, we have top-flight players on our team, and Albacete doesn't, right? They're, they just have players from around that market, and we have international stars. And it, it was it was evident on the field. But, again, just a really good good game for Barca Femenina to, to get that victory again because what happened today, Atletico drew with Real Sociedad one-to-one. And so in the table now, we have a two-point edge, which is really great news.
1: Yeah, I mean – For the past several weeks, these two teams have been neck and neck, and Barcelona were only on top uh, by goal difference. But now, thanks to Sociedad, the women are clear on points. And, you know, it's still tight, of course, and the league decider will still be the next matchup between Atletico and Barcelona. Uh, but it's really great that uh, that we got a few points on them now.
0: And the other thing too, again, like we always say with the men's team, it's all about the defense too, because you know they can score goals, but it's it's about limiting the opportunities of your opponent and the goal conversion, right? And so the women have been doing that lately with more shutouts recently, and that's going to help ultimately. And with the clash against Atletico on March 11th,
1: yeah. Now the next match coming up is going to be against Sociedad next Sunday at home. Now so see that they got this draw with atletico which is great but they are in 12th place they really aren't the biggest contender right now you see after that draw how anything is possible but i think we could probably get a win out of that one also
0: i think so too especially at home and just the way martins and dugan are playing together and rolling i just i just think that we should be able to get those points
1: yeah. Now there's also a little bit of news. So for those of you who've been listening and following our talk about the uh, the women's side, it's always been a little tricky to, to really be up to date with, with the women because the FC Barcelona website is not uh, not very robust. As far as the women 's side goes, but apparently they've uh, they 've kind of redone it a little bit they 've improved things, and now it 's better
0: yeah not only that, but also the la liga Iberdola also updated their website as well, so I think there was a big movement recently to to get that information more available, and so on both ends now you can get better information it's um you know they just got to update they updated their wordpress theme is essentially what happened
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah which is something that we've been talking about for the show for the past few weeks and i think we're actually going to be seeing a new website for the show soon but we'll let you know when that happens so yeah that's really nice that now we have like more access to information highlights get get fed a little bit quicker it's good All right, so we're actually going to split our reviews up into sort of two smaller segments. First of all, let's talk about the Copa del Rey overall, and then we'll talk about the Espanyol match, the second leg quarterfinal match that just happened last week. So the quarterfinal round was a round of upsets, really. Um, Atletico fell to Sevilla, and Real Madrid lost to Leganes. The best, best possible result there. Um, And then, of course, Valencia knocked out Alaves after extra time and penalties Alaves gave Valencia a hard time, but Valencia got through the round. Yeah,
0: this is um, interesting because with the Atletico match, let's take that match first. um, Atletico had to win or not allow Sevilla to score, and Sevilla scored within like six minutes or something like this. It's just – it's really peculiar because at Atletico, when I think of Atletico, I always think of defense. And something is amiss this year with their defense. Again, they take out um, Griezmann and Diego Costa in the first leg, when they were already up one nothing or tied one one or something like this. And so, just really peculiar moves by Cholo Simeone. And again, they fell to Sevilla. Sevilla was just the better team over the two legs. Now, Real Madrid losing to Leganes was the greatest thing because Brian, I don't know if you know, the best thing I love about my job is trolling my kids when Real Madrid loses. It is the it is <laughs> the greatest. Uh, at my school, all the kids are Real Madrid fans. They'll, you know, when Ronaldo scores, they'll come up to me and they'll be like, "See," you know, they do that thing. But again, yesterday I, I walked into, you know, the day after I walk into class, and I pick out the kids that I know that I can do this to, and I just go, "Real Madrid, what happened? What happened?" Right? You know. And so I just love it; it's the best. But yeah, Real Madrid, really poor showing. And I think for me, if I were a Real Madrid fan, which I'm not, if I were. Um, I think the thing I would be the most upset about this this leg is that during the broadcast, especially on the Spanish side, they kept saying over and over how Bale, Ronaldo, Marcelo, Tony Cruz were at home, like watching the game. You know what I'm saying? Like Zidane was like, take the night off. You don't even have to come to the stadium. Just stay home, right? And the broadcast kept saying that. And I was like... You know, obviously yeah, that's a talking point, but I don't think it's that important. But then obviously when the game got really contentious at the end and they had no extra talent on the bench, man, the the supporters in the crowd, um, the broadcast after, people were so upset about this. And the other thing too is that I'm glad this happened because if it didn't, who knows what happened with Barcelona and Espanol. But I think since this happened the night before our match that Valverde was able to put a really strong team and also the players were able to see the match and say okay look you know Espanol's is going to be a tough match look what happened to Real Madrid and so they lost so yeah Real Madrid is out which is a, they're out of two competitions now it's it's fantastic
1: yeah cuz they're essentially they're out of La Liga at this point also
0: yeah and then also with the Valencia game that was a really exciting game but again the penalties by Alavez was brutal like It just seemed like they don't practice penalties because their first three penalties were absolutely brutal. Like, one was skied, one went out of bounds, and one was saved. It was just, like, the worst situation you could have. And Valencia, clinically, just they went through their penalty kick. So Valencia went through. And Valencia's been playing really tough. We're going to be playing them soon, next week. And I watched the Valencia-Real Madrid game yesterday, and... You know, Valencia has potential, especially, you know, we're going to be playing them in the Copa del Rey. So they definitely scare me, but I think uh, we should be able to outlast them.
1: Yeah, and of course, so we beat Español out. We knocked them out. We're going to talk about that match in detail in just a minute. Um, But yeah, let's talk a little bit about how we're going to play Valencia in the semis, which really makes that a a semifinal fit for a final because the, uh, the other side... I, I would think Sevilla would be the one coming through the semifinals on that side. Exactly.
0: Like my friend texted me when the drawing was happening. He's like, we have Sevilla. It's going to be, as he said, complicado, complicated, right? And it's just like, yeah, I mean, this is what we're going to get in the semis, you know, in these type of matches in these tournaments, like you're going to play the best of the best now of who's left. And so, yeah, it, we have to play at Valencia, but again, I just, you know, with Val Green's tactics, we are i feel like that just gives us so much of an edge even though Marcelino is a really good tactician too but with our talent matching the tactics of Val Green, i just i just think that that gives us such an edge over anyone
1: yeah all right so let's talk about the actual match the second leg of the quarter final this was of course at the Camp Nou last thursday we started with a really strong 11 aside from Vidal it was pretty much our strongest 11 we had Silicin in goal Sergio Roberto Pique Umtiti Alba and then Busquets, Iniesta, Rakitic in the midfield, and in the front ish line, you know, you got Suarez up top, and then Vidal and Messi. Great lineup again, but why Vidal rather than Pauli, for example?
0: Well, again, remember this is the four four two hybrid into a four three three and attack. So, for example, Vidal on attacking was that right wing position, as we saw in the first goal. But these for me i would for me i would just would rather have sergio roberto in that role and then semedo on right back that's the only thing i would change i think if we do that that's a stronger lineup for us because as you can see sometimes sergio roberto gets too cocky with the ball a couple times in this game he got ca- caught up going forward and then he realized he had to go back right so semedo wouldn't really do that as much and i just like having sergio roberto more midfield uh action you know what i'm saying but all in all, the lineup, I was pretty happy with it, especially I knew we were going to come with a strong lineup since Real Madrid lost the night before, and we didn't want to repeat that.
1: Yeah, and we had already lost the first leg, so we knew that we had to come back. Exactly, and like we talked about in the last episode, that
0: some listeners and some fans were you know, up in arms about the lineup in the first leg of the Copa del Rey. I mean, I knew, especially being at home, that was going to give us an advantage, right? Especially with the ref being in a at our home field was going to give us more calls. And I knew that Espanol wasn't going to be able to play as um, aggressive as they were in the first leg. So I, I had confidence going into this that we were able to pull through and, you know, we started off with a bang right away, essentially.
1: Yeah. I mean, in that first half, they were on fire and really dominant in the first half, second half, a little less so, but they were never out of control. And uh, we also got to see the debut of our new number 14, coutinho
0: Yeah, I mean it was all in all just a good night, you know, and and everyone was tweeting the picture of Iniesta coming off and you know it's like a like a passing of the torch type of moment, you know, of the two players. But uh I I got I mean Messi in this game for me was an animal. Like he was like a lion out there, especially with that beard, he reminds me of a lion a little bit. I can't remember the last time maybe like in the last couple games, but Messi lately his pressing has been at another level. Like the way he's been able to defend and get the ball back. I mean, in the first goal, I mean, he gets the ball, he makes the play happen, he finds Vidal, and Vidal hits a magical cross, you know, like a Sergio Roberto type cross, and Suarez finished it perfectly. And it was a lot of, it was pretty funny on Twitter actually because people were saying, who is this Vidal guy that we haven't seen before, right? Because he had like the first half of his life, right? But then like in the second half, he didn't play as well. And people are like, yeah, I guess the magic potion wore off in the second half type of thing. But, <laughs> but let's talk about that first goal. That first goal for me is two things. Um, Messi's ability to get the ball back and then also Messi driving the ball to the right side of the field because you know how he always goes middle or left right but this time he took it to the right and so there was a hole that he exposed and then he found Vidal on a perfect lead through pass and again that pass from Vidal was was magic
1: yeah i mean the just like you were saying the way that Messi set that whole thing up drifted out right to open up this space and then the pass he put through for Vidal was absolute perfection and again it's it's how can we not just take a moment and 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 be thankful that we live in a time where Messi is is playing, you know?
0: That's funny you say that because actually just like before we started recording, I was watching the Madrid sports, you know, the highlight show from yesterday's games and so forth. And they had a two-minute segment about how we are so lucky to be living in this moment when the best is playing, right? Like, And they just show the plays that he's done all season and the goals. And it's, it's remarkable. He's having... You know, one of his best seasons in the last eight years, because not only is he obviously scoring goals and he's obviously scored more goals at a faster rate in previous seasons. But I think this season as an overall footballer is his best season because he's not only has a high goal output, but also his assists. I think he has like 17 assists or six, no, 11 assists, something like that. That's that's insane. And then also just the as they say here, the the when you get the ball back, um, he has like his career high I think it was like 78 times that he's got the ball back from the defense. So it's just overall this year. We can never overestimate the value of a really great manager, you know, because like we've talked about, like I think in the past, we've had managers that were more man managers. Obviously Pep Guardiola was not like that. He was a tactical genius and also um, maybe lacking in the man manager a little bit some at times, right? But I think Val Green is the, the perfect mix of all of that, right? He's calm. The players believe in him. Whatever tactics he rolls out there, they're confident with him. And he's always putting the players, even Vidal, like we're questioning the Vidal thing, and he has an assist in the ninth minute. Like it's just, it's, it's remarkable.
1: Yeah. And he had the best pass of his career, perhaps, on that
0: first goal. Exactly. It's that early cross, that curved cross that goes around the defense, and it just lands perfectly to Suarez's foot. <laughs> it's just like it, it was a – Yeah, I don't think it could have been any Yeah, better. it was like a magnet, right? right? Right to his foot. And Suarez has clinically finished it. And so, yeah, you knew – the thing was with these, with these comebacks that Barcelona always have, if they score within the first 12 minutes, you know it's on. They can sense the blood in the water after that first goal because they can just get that confidence. And I knew as soon as we got that first goal, we were going to be in good shape.
1: Yeah, and you know, just a few minutes later, a very similar play where Vidal got in another really great cross with tons of space again. And I don't know, I was thinking maybe Val Green spotted a weakness on that side after the first leg and started Vidal to exploit that. Did you notice anything like that?
0: Yeah, I mean, they were just definitely using that right side more. And I think in the first leg, because of the players that we had, I think Val Green didn't expose those players to this type of tactical adjustment. You know, maybe he, he just said, OK, just focus on defense. And if you have a good attack, just go on the attack. But it was clearly on, on this leg, you know, on defense, they they fell into a four four two, And on the offensive attacking, Vidal went out to the right wing as the attacking winger. And so I don't think Espanyol was prepared for that because maybe they just hadn't seen that. And they just, you know, this is something very new. You know, usually you stick to that formation. You kind of... Maybe you might change the the whole formation at halftime or at some other time, but now this attacking formation defensive is something that's you know kind of a newer type of thing, and I think other teams are trying to get used to it. And as you can see, we've perfected it now. We've we've we're more solid on defense with the four four two, and then when we attack, we split up, we open the lanes. Alba comes up, Sergio Roberto comes up, and it's just it's pretty remarkable.
1: Yeah. Now, what about the second goal from Messi? I mean
0: again, just goes to his pressing. He gets he he makes a pass, it gets intercepted. But instead of just walking around, my mom would be super impressed by his hustle on this one. He like just he he turns around, goes after the guy, gets the ball, hits the shot, it gets deflected and goes in. But the whole process was messy and his recovery of that ball he it's like he wanted that ball so bad and he's like i'm getting that ball i'm getting that ball i got the ball i'm shooting okay it's a goal
1: yeah and the the note that i made on it was that he was really showing his teeth on this play we've talked a little bit about him looking like a lion and being ferocious and he really was in this match that particular play he i mean he he made it happen he he got the ball the, his recovery and the pressing was it was absolute skill, but also sheer determination. He needed both of those things, and he seems to really be having it in this match. But, and it comes and goes in little waves throughout the season because you can't stay at that level all the time all season long, of course. But, but when he does, when he brings it out, it's incredible. Yeah, and
0: the other thing, too, is he does it in spurts, right? Like he's not pressing the whole game to, you know, he's trying to save his energy to get to the 90 minutes, but he's picking his spots, and when he picks his spots, he always is picking correctly. You know, And that's the thing with our pressing this season is that Val Green is using our pressing, especially on the away games in the second half, where the teams are surprised and they're more tired. And we have Messi. They make a mistake. We have Messi-Suarez, and they'll they'll clinically finish the, those mistakes. And so these are really just awesome adjustments that Val Green has made throughout the season. And now you can just see how comfortable everyone is in their role. Like with this lineup, Rakitic had a great game. Busquets of course was doing Busquets things you know and our defense again they had some opportunities especially late but overall all in all they didn't and that just goes to our defense um funneling shots that aren't dangerous you know the shots that are out wide where Ter Stegen can make an easy save it has to be like a super goal also to go through Ter Stegen and it's just like these fundamental things that we're doing it's just it's impossible for teams to beat us at home now.
1: Yeah, and so it was a it was a two nothing win, two one on aggregate to go ahead. But it honestly could have been five to nothing in this match. There were I, I counted three really close near misses, quality plays that just didn't work out. Like that twenty eight minute uh, where Suarez just he just whiffed it. Uh, it was a great play, you know, great run in and a pass from Sergi, but Suarez just didn't make contact.
0: Yeah, and there's, yeah, like you said, there's some great plays. And, you know, for me, the, the best one was in the 88th minute with Rakitic. That pass uh, was, I, you know, it's funny because from that TV angle, you know, from where you're watching it, you can see Rakitic's point of view, essentially. And the whole time you see the run coming, right? You're like, Rakitic, make the pass, right? And he makes this perfect ball that goes right between the two center backs, right to Messi's head. And Messi hits it off the post. That for me, that goal would have been, if that went through, that would have been just a super goal also because just the pass of how Rakitic did it on the run, and also obviously Messi's finishing, but I just, obviously that would have sealed the game even more, and it would have been no doubt, but still, you know, with the 2-0, they just had to score a goal, and the game could have been in doubt, but... Again, just really great plays. But for me, that Rakitic pass was just magical. And i i was I watched the Ray Hudson highlight on that, and he
1: was like, he almost like lost his mind on that pass. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I almost lost my mind on it when I was watching it. I mean, as far as plays that didn't end in a goal, that was the play of the match. Definitely, definitely. And again, it just we were so
0: dangerous every time we were attacking. Again, Messi being the playmaker for us is this is the role he was born for. You know, he, he has the vision to pass like a Iniesta de Javi, but then he has, you know, the finishing that they don't. And he's, he just drives the match. I mean, he, he had, how many fouls on him did he have in the match? I mean, how many times was he on the ground? Like they could not stop him. They couldn't stop him. He, he's it's watching him again, like in this type of match where it's an important match, he always brings the goods. Always. It's just, he puts the team on his
1: back and he's like, we're going through, just follow me. Yeah, he's a captain. True. All right, now, also, we saw the debut of Coutinho coming on for Iniesta, and I thought that immediately he fit right in. He looked comfortable as if he'd been playing with these guys in this formation and all that all year long.
0: Yeah, I mean, that was a great moment because, you know, again, it's just like the Dembele thing. We're so excited to see the potential, what he can bring to the team. And yeah, I mean, there was a couple things where I think a couple times he drifted past the middle a couple times too much. But other than that, like his ability to his first touch, I was really impressed with because, you know, I've just seen highlights of him scoring and so forth. But just watching him, uh, the fluidity of his footwork and so forth is, is really impressive. And I think that's going to really help us because if he can hold on to the ball there and create stuff out of that, I think that's really going to help us, and like you said, it just
1: looked like he had been playing with them for for so many years. Well, yeah, I mean, compare how he looked in those 20 minutes with how Gomes looks at any time when he's playing, even when he's starting, right? Gomes, of course, you know, we want Barcelona to win, so we do, on one hand, hope that Gomes gets better and better and he improves and he works his way into the side, but for so many games, and he's had better and better performances lately, but for so many games, we've just been hoping that he would look like like, he felt comfortable out there. Like, he knew where he wanted to be and where where he was going and what he was doing, and we're still waiting for that. And then Coutinho comes on, and immediately he slots right in as if as if these are his old friends, and, and he's been on this side for years. Yeah, I mean, again, like we documented in
0: the last episode, like, Barcelona is probably the closest thing to Brazil and Europe, you know, in that type of environment – He's super happy. Um, obviously, living in Spain compared to Liverpool, just all these things. And you can just, again, Brian, I'm a body language expert. You can just tell, like, as soon as he got into the match, it's just like he just does his thing, and it and it flows. And it's not he's not trying too hard. I remember when Neymar first came on to the team, he was trying so hard, and you can tell. Obviously, he had flashes of brilliance here and there, but he didn't look as fluid yet. Right? He had to get you know, figures. The competition out and, and how to play with Messi But You saw from the get-go He He holds the ball Passes it to Messi Moves around And you're just like Wow it just, it just looks like a young Faster iniesta almost You know It's just kind of it's It's pretty amazing Because Again It's going to give us So much more depth now I mean We have so many options now during La Liga and the Copa to save Iniesta for champions.
1: Absolutely. All right, so let's do man of the match. You go first because you're you're actually breaking the rules this year. I mean, I'm
0: breaking the rules because, again, Messi's performance for me was the uh, – I again, what he did everywhere in the park, he did everything, and that's the reason why we won the match. I mean, his passing, again, his um, pressing, it's just uh, – every time I'm in awe, and, again, this match uh, – I know we try to highlight other players, but he—he's this match. He carried the team on his back, and he deserves the man of the match. And he was—he was spectacular in this match. I mean, if, on a on a rating of one to ten, he was probably like a twelve in this match, right? I mean, you can't. I mean, he did everything. He did everything for the team.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, we we do have our our rule that uh, for man of the match, we don't pick Messi because we just assume that Messi is the man of the match if he's playing, and so we try to highlight other players. But I, I suppose at some point that rule just just breaks because because that's what Messi does. He transcends so many things, and I, I think this match was was the one. Like it, I think you knew at some point you were gonna break this rule, and you were waiting. You were waiting for the right moment, and I think this was definitely the moment. I mean, just
0: think about how many times he had the ball and he would drive. you kind of just like, oh, my God, something special is going to happen. And this was one of those matches where he did that. And I know, like, I think it would have uh, put the exclamation point on his performance if he would have converted that header from Rakitic because I think it would have been, like, one of those all-time matches for him just all around, not only offensively but defensively what he was doing. His work rate in this match, like, I haven't seen this in in a long time, and that's the thing, is Messi is so smart of when that he has to press and work hard and work less, but still be good, right? And in this match, he knew it was going to be a tough match, Espanol, derby match, they were going to play physical, I mean, they had a lot of fouls, again, we were talking about the referee and you and me back and forth on WhatsApp and so forth, Um, again, yeah, the referee gave us more calls, but at the same time, like, it was because of Messi's brilliance, his magic, that they, that's the only way they could stop him was to foul him. So, again, he was, he was absolutely brilliant. Who was your man of the match other than Messi?
1: All right, so I'm going to go kind of like in the other direction, almost entirely. My man of the match was other than Messi, and it was Vidal, because at least as far as his career so far at Barcelona, he had the game of his life in this game. I mean, he was always in the right place at the right time, especially in the first half, Uh, maybe second half. He started to wane a little bit, but he made some brilliant crosses, especially the one for the first goal we talked about. And also, he was a little bit more free to move about rather than just being stationed down that right side. And I think that that suited him. Being, and being more mobile and being able to move around a little bit more, mess up the defense and open them up. Um, and he did look a little disappointed when Paulie subbed him out, and I can see why, because when you're rolling in a game like he was in this game, you'd want to stay on.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's a good, a good pickup because he definitely did influence the game, especially in the first half. However, I think he did lose some of his magic, his mojo a little bit. Um, he wasn't able to convert those passes anymore. Um, I don't know if it was because he was tired or whatnot, but Val Green wanted to use Polly. Again, he likes to use Polly in these big games for a second-half substitution because of his physicality, so I saw that play. But again, I would have much rather seen you know Pauly come in, um, maybe push Sergio Roberto up in midfield, and then put Semedo in, something like this, because I think that would have given us a stronger defense as well but again Val Green pushes the right buttons and yeah I can see Vidal being upset because he wants to play more but this is going to give him confidence and hopefully Val Green you know can use him as a winger more because I feel more confident and with him as a winger than him on defense
1: yeah I think and he's really kind of settled into that role more of course when we first got him he was supposed to be uh, an attacking right back you know Danny Elvez style but uh, his defensive work has just not really paid off so well. And he's actually, he's become pretty serviceable as a purely attacking winger. Exactly. And, And
0: for me, he's just the perfect B player, right? So when we need to give someone a break or we're playing against, I don't know, Leganess at home, you know, something like this, he's a player that we can put in as that right wing position and we don't lose so much quality in that position. But for the big matches, I, You know, unfortunately, he's just not going to see that playing time. He's just there's other players that are better than him. That's it. Punto. Sorry, sorry, Vidal. Yeah, (laughs) go lick my balls.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. So now let's shift our gaze to La Liga. So overall, what happened this weekend? Real Madrid beat Valencia four to one. And you know, I don't, I don't like it when Real Madrid wins, but it actually did help us out that much more to take some points away from Valencia. You have a good point. However, I thought you know this was going to be a
0: tougher game, a better game to watch because I actually watched this match yesterday, and I think the best case scenario would have been like a two-two draw, right? Like uh, Real Madrid can't really get that much ground, and Valencia either. But uh, Real Madrid had some goals. They got some penalty kicks, of course. Ronaldo thought he was the best penalty kicker of all time, doing his C dance, you know, the C, you know, and uh, (laughs) Valencia. Had a goal from Mina on the corner kick, which was, you know, I thought they were going to be able to come back, but Real Madrid were just too strong. They had BBC back, and they just took it to Valencia. And that was a pretty – and yeah. it also was at Valencia too. It was at the Mestalla, so uh, a good win from Real Madrid. And, of course, the Real Madrid media here were blowing it up like, they're back, baby. They're only, you know, <laughs> 20 points behind and all these things. Yeah, so we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, they're only still in fourth place. Yeah because right like Villarreal beat Sociedad 4-2 so they they're neck and neck with Madrid essentially. Yeah, Villarreal's just uh 1 point behind Real Madrid. So Real got is up to 38 points and Villarreal has 37.
0: I mean, that's going to be a good race because you know, Villarreal is a strong team, you know, and they'll be able to get those wins and put pressure on Madrid and you know, depending on what happens with Madrid especially you know, with the Champions League and La Liga, I just saw yesterday, too, in the, the Valencia match, uh, Varane got hurt a little bit, so we don't know if he's going to be out. Also, Sergio Ramos is out for two weeks. So they're not, you know, Villarreal can keep the pressure on, and, you know, we'll see what happens in the next two months.
1: Yeah, now also, Atletico uh, beat Las Palmas 3 to nothing. not a big shock there. Um, and that gives them forty six points to put them in second. Still eleven points behind Barcelona,
0: though. Yeah, I also watched this match too. Now that I have the package, Brian, I'm on fire with La Liga. You know, I just get all those yeah, I just get are. all those matches. So I had it in the background, and uh, it was zero zero for a while. And then Griezmann opened up the scoring with a really nice chip. And then from then, it just kind of the floodgates open. Torres had a nice uh, second goal, and uh, really good environment. I mean, I I'm looking forward. I'm going to go to the Wanda pretty soon to go check out a match there, and from the views on TV and stuff, the the crowd was really into it and, and singing and dancing, and uh, I'm looking forward to
1: going to see a match there soon. Yeah, it does look like a really really great stadium. Brand new, very modern, got all those crazy lights going around. It's a good spot. Now, then, of course, Barcelona beat Alaves 2-1, to one, staying undefeated in the league, and 11 points clear of Atletico. So let's get into it. I have a little preamble that I wrote. Because uh, this was, I think, a, a unique match for this year. You know, until all of us scored the first goal, I thought Barcelona were playing some of the most beautiful football they've played all year. And once they got down and they had to chase the game, they tightened up a little bit. But they still looked brilliant. And I think that Coutinho's presence had something to do with it. His brilliance brought out more from Iniesta and Messi. And with Rakitic playing in the Busquets role... Iniesta Coutinho and Pauly were just freely rotating around. I never knew where any of them might be coming from one moment to the next. And with the freedom that Messi always has to drop back or go wherever he wants, their attack was just coming from all over the place. And I do think that had Busquets been there instead of Rakitic, the game would have been more in hand from the start. Not because Rakitic played poorly or he plays poorly in that position. I think he does... A very good job i just know how busquets has this stealthy brilliance that that brings things out but iniesta's brilliant play a great finish from suarez messi's magic foot with all of those things they managed to pull out a win
0: yeah i mean it was a good point you know in the beginning they were really controlling the match i mean they were doing whatever they wanted it was just in that last third they couldn't connect those passes to make uh, a shot off or something like this right so uh They were able to control, but then unfortunately they they got scored on on a really I don't know they got sucked in too much on their own on the other half essentially, and they just did a counter and it was a really weird goal because the guy slipped as he kicked it and you can see Ter Stegen's face like he's like what he's like he just (laughs) saw that like you know and it went in but yeah you you have a good point you know they have more free flowing midfielders. I really like when Rakitic plays the Busquets role. I think it suits him. And it also gives Busquets that rest um, that he needs, you know, just to have a rest here, uh, especially with the Copa del Rey match coming up this week. But again, uh, we were able to pull off the victory. Again, Val- Valverde Green made those substitutions. I mean, who did he go to? He went to your boy. You know, I mean, that just tells bo- He went to the he boys. He went to your boy, right? <laughs> and so that's how you know how important he is because – for me, again, it's like Sergio Roberto just understands Messi Suarez. He understands that connection and he understands the possession and the passing lanes and all. You know, that's what makes him a really great midfielder for Barcelona. And as soon as he came in with Alba, I mean, it, they just went up to another gear and, and you knew a goal was coming shortly because just the way they were able to connect the attacking and they just looked more solid and more fluid.
1: Well, let's step back actually to. Before the match, once the lineup was announced, because you messaged me as soon as the lineup was announced, you messaged me and asked if I'd seen it. And you said, I want to cry, we are so good. So, this is the initial lineup, right? We had Terstegan in goal, obviously, back four of Samedo, Piquet, Umtiti, and Digne, and then midfield, Rakitic, Gutinho, Iniesta, Pauly, and then Messi and Suarez. So, what in that made you so excited.
0: Coutinho and Iniesta playing together. I didn't even think of that combination, you know, because we always think of Busquets being the starter, but in a game like tonight, where he sat Busquets, put Rakitic in there, and then having Coutinho and Iniesta play at the same time, I thought it was brilliant. I just think that Coutinho should have played more middle as opposed to right side. Um, and I don't think Pauly was in the best position tonight being in the middle. I think we could have used your boy Roberto. I think it would have been more solid for him to be on the right. But um, just having the combination, just thinking of the possibilities of Coutinho and Iniesta playing together, it just didn't really cross my mind. I don't know why it didn't. But um, when I saw that lineup, I was like, oh, my gosh, that's, that's brilliant. Because, you know, we were always thinking and talking. It's either or, right? It was either Coutinho or Iniesta, but not both at the same time. And so when that happened, I was really pumped. And, I mean, you could tell... It's going to take some time, right? Coutinho is just trying to figure out this is all new to him, um, trying to figure out Val Green's tactics, where his position, his spacing is supposed to be. But you can just see that you know he has the talent, and it's going to be very exciting.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And seeing both of them on the pitch, I mean, honestly, those first fifteen minutes, right up until Alves scored, I really was feeling like I was watching Barcelona from another era. Just the way that they were free flowing and moving so so effortlessly around and rotating. I mean, sure, Coutinho was mostly on the right. Iniesta was mostly on the left. But ultimately, they were just trading roles, not willy-nilly, but as they pleased, depending upon where the ball was and how the play was moving. And uh, everything was so fluid and beautiful. I mean, it was like like watching ballet. And I, I think a lot of that is because we had both Coutinho and Iniesta playing at the same time. And maybe... We know that Iniesta can can do a great job out on the right rather than on the left, and Coutinho might be more comfortable on the left, and he can cut in better when he's playing out there. So maybe just taking that same combination but switching their basic roles might have also been good.
0: Yeah, I and mean, that's a good point. And maybe you know going forward, that's something they can play around with. I mean, we have a lead, so we can't do this. I mean, again, when we were going down one nothing it's not the end of the world that we lose this match, right? I mean, you would get Coutinho out there. We can. It's almost what we can use these games as almost like a second preseason, you know, because we have such a lead. Obviously, we want to win these matches, but at the same time, it doesn't ultimately kill us immediately to lose this match. And so when they were down one nothing, you know, I I always have faith that they're going to come back, just especially being at home and just the just the firepower we have available. But I just thought overall... Um, it was a really good performance by everyone, uh, just you know, just lacking on, for example, Digne's combination with Iniesta. I think that was really lacking, and that's where you know when Alba came in, you can just see he knows exactly where to go, where Iniesta wants him to go, and he just creates all this havoc and space where Iniesta was able to drive in the middle when Alba was in the match, and Digne was kind of in his way a couple times, and you know I just feel bad for Digne because you know he's trying not to screw up right? I mean, that's essentially what he's trying to do, right? He's trying not to screw up, and uh, he's doing, you know, a couple times, just didn't look very comfortable. I think it's just more because he's not playing so much, you know, he doesn't have that much playing time, and so just trying to not screw up. He wants to play, yeah, but other than that, I thought it was an overall really hard-working win, you know, it was a kind of comeback from behind win. Everyone had to pull together, and they were able to get that victory.
1: Yeah, as soon as, uh, Alavez got ahead I was texting with a friend of mine who was watching the game because he was interested in Coutinho and I said uh you know after halftime at least uh Valverde is going to make some tactical changes um either in players or in just you know tell them something at halftime to do something different and uh we're going to win we're going to wind up winning 3-1 I had absolute faith I wasn't worried at all that we went down a goal but let's talk about that first goal so it came in the 23rd minute goal for Alaves by John Guidetti and it was actually the second time they broke out of Barcelona's high line. Uh, the first time was in the 16th minute, got sprung. They got into a two-on-one situation, and Ibai Gomez was in on goal. But in that case, Ter Stegen came out and shut it down brilliantly. But then on the 23rd minute, one they just this time it worked. Yeah, they were playing a high line, and on that play, they were they were actually able to finally break
0: free on that play. Um, tt was chasing, and also they were just sucked in. You know, They just didn't think that they were going to lose the ball. And I think it was Rakitic who lost the ball in that moment, and then all of a sudden it was a quick counter. It was just you know, 1v1 essentially. And again, like I said, uh, Gudedi slipped and fell kind of at the same time while he shot, and it kind of did this weird topspin around Ter Stegen, and he got scored on. On that play, I think I would have liked Ter Stegen to come out of more aggressive to try to match him. Um, I think he kind of waited to react rather than try to um, make good do something. And uh, yeah, so they were down one, nothing, but again, like you said with your friend, you know, with Val Green's tactical changes and his ability to make adjustments, I thought we were, we were going to be in okay shape as long as we didn't get scored upon again.
1: Yeah. Now, um, speaking of Coutinho, uh, he had a really good shot in the 32nd minute and really it was, it was heading in, but it just came off of uh, Duarte's thigh for a corner. But the buildup for that was, Surprising and full of masterful passing, that ultimately led to that Coutinho shot. I thought it was a great moment, and it was almost the equalizer, but it just what you know it wasn't to be. You know, it's a funny thing because now we have you know we have a viable uh,
0: player who can strike from outside the box with accuracy. You know, I mean, he has that in his arsenal, and people on Twitter were like, now when Coutinho lines up his shot, everyone just kind of like gets on the edge of their seat because you don't. you're expecting something great now, and it's just—it's a really nice luxury to have because, you know, before, you know, a couple of years ago, I would say like four or five years ago, one of my biggest complaints about Barca was, you know, this is a very minor complaint, is that we always try to make the greatest goals, right? We always try to, you know, tiki-taka all the way through, and then like almost like walk the ball over the 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 goal line, you know, and in the Champions League matches, especially when it's tough. We're not going to have that um, ability to always tiki-taka, so you have to have a varied attack. And now with this type of player like Coutinho, we have that um, ability to shoot from long distance. And then with Pauly, we have we have someone physical in the air now. So we kind of have all these, and also Suarez is physical in the air as well. So now we have these players that we can kind of mix and match are attacking Arsenal for these tough matches. And so when now when Coutinho lines up, it's just you're holding your breath that it could go in and be a goal Also,
1: Yeah, absolutely. Now then later on, actually I think I need to take a moment and give some, uh, give some props to Pacheco, the goalkeeper for Alaves, because he had a great game. I don't know how he normally plays or how well he normally performs, but uh, I do know that Alaves are in 17th place. But he had a great game. So in the 42nd minute, there was this foul on Coutinho, and Messi took the free kick. His shot was on target, but Pacheco made a great save on that. And it, that wasn't the only time. You know, there was another situation where he he managed to stop a goal just with an outstretched right foot in the 68th minute. And then there was that in this just two minutes later, there was this Sergi to PK, and then it fell to Paulinho. But Pacheco was all over it again, saved it. So, I mean, it, it actually could have been a lot worse than – worse for Alaves, I mean. It could have been a lot better for us, you know, um, if not for Pacheco. Yeah, Pacheco had a good game. And, again, you know,
0: on paper we should beat this team, right? If we're playing FIFA online or FIFA on PlayStation, right, we should be able to beat Alaves like 7-0, right? Because on paper their talent isn't as good as Barcelona. But that's why – like I, I was watching the post postgame and, and Iniesta said, you know, uh, soccer is not mathematics right like they the other team plays the other team scouts and you know for the first 50 minutes or so Alaves was playing out of their minds you know they were defending really well they were linking up really good counterattacks, and that's just how it goes sometimes but again just like in the Copa del Rey's two legs this match is 90 minutes and we just kept wearing on them wearing on them and eventually we we're able to break free and yeah, Pacheco had a really great game and especially on that Paulinho play, he was all over the place, you know, he was on the ground, got up, pushed it away, got back on the ground again and and I thought for sure we were going to get a goal on that, but we didn't and it was all because of Pacheco's great play on that on that play.
1: Yeah, and overall Alavez had a great defensive game. I mean, they were shutting down a lot of things, just just doing whatever they had to, you know, even if it just meant getting a toe in to to screw something up. They were managing to do it. I mean, I was looking at that at the halftime stats. The possession was insane. It was 80 to 20 in Barca's favor at, at halftime, but Alavez had more shots on target.
0: Again, that's just the, you know, because we're trying, you know, a lot of times when we're playing against a team like Alavez, we're really trying to make these beautiful goals, like these great passings and link up, and we're trying to involve everyone, and that's great. But at the same time, you know, especially when we made the
1: substitutions, it was like we really hunkered down and really tried to get that goal however we could. Yeah, so once those subs came in, and I I think it's also nice that Val Green gave everyone a chance in the opening minutes of the second half to, you know, try again, (laughs) see what they could do. But after five, seven minutes, he'd had enough, and... In one sub, he puts in Sergi for Semedo, Alba in Ferdinia. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I think I think leaving Semedo would have been fine, um, but I
0: just definitely, I mean, the upgrade was definitely with Alba and Digne. I mean, it's night and day. I mean, just I remember he comes in and the commentators were saying the exact same thing. It's he knows how to space properly with Iniesta, and so all of a sudden the defense was strung out, and all of a sudden Iniesta was able to find lanes in the middle where he wasn't having before, and it's just because Alba and Iniesta have played together for so long. I mean, it's just that chemistry where Digna is lacking, but also it was brilliant. I like when managers make substitutions earlier like this than later, like in the 80th minute, because I think these, especially Sergio Roberto and Alba, they can make more of a difference with more time. Right. And they had, you know, close to 30 minutes to make a
1: difference into the match. Yeah. Now let's talk about the goal, the equalizing goal, because it was just, it was beautiful in so many ways. I mean, The way that Iniesta drove down all the way to the end line, got into the space, made him, you know, got that half yard that he needed, and he puts it across and over the goal. And with the finish that Suarez put on it was from this impossible angle. And it still went in.
0: Yeah, it was a great play by Iniesta to get down to the touchline there. I thought he hit it too fast, like too hard, and I thought it was going to go out of bounds, but he got to it enough, and that cross was unreal because it just, the goalkeeper had no chance, right? Like, he didn't know if he wanted to come out or attack Suarez. He was kind of left in no man's land, and Suarez just lined it up. And as we noted last episode, how good is Suarez with the volleys? You know, he can really connect, and on that one, he just hit it down to the ground, and it got a nice little english on it and went to the back of the net and it was a really nice just overall team goal and when that happened i was like uh we're gonna get
1: points here i i can feel it yeah i mean i i knew that uh well i right after that i texted that same friend who i said uh we're gonna win three one i said okay two one (laughs) (laughs) like but we're gonna we're gonna pull out a win on this and sure enough the second goal was just absolute poetry in free kick motion Right? So there was the foul on Messi on the edge of the box. 83rd minute, we're nearing the end of the match, and Messi scores. It was it was really kind of the perfect setup. It was the perfect distance and angle for him, especially, to shoot from. And Pacheco even got a hand to it, but it was spinning so hard out to the right that it just comes off his fingers and into the top corner. Yeah, I mean, I,
0: I'm left-footed as well, so I, that for me is my perfect angle for to take a free kick, and I love that angle because... You have so many options. You can go far post or near post. And as a lefty, you could put a really good spin on it. Messi went near. And I knew like it was going to be on target because he already had a couple shots, free kicks before. And when I used to take free kicks, if I could take two before, I can kind of gauge the height and kind of, you know, where I was at, you know. And usually on the third one I can get it pretty close, you know. And sure enough, the commentators were saying, you know, if Messi scores here, I mean, it's just ridiculous. And of course he does, you know, and for me, I was going to text you, but I forgot that I'm faster now, you know, with my, since I have my package now, my HD package. Um, so I waited because I was like jumping up over here because um, <laughs> yeah, I was just, I just, you know, the first I love the Cuchara goals, like the chip goals. Those are my favorite goals, but I do, my second type are are free kicks. I love free kicks because I used to be the free kick taker when I played and I just know they practice that these guys do and you know you're you don't score them very often but when you do and especially like I mean this season it just seems like he's had so many and it's great you know and I, and again it was in the 83rd minute you knew we were going to be able to pull it out and get those points
1: yeah and it almost wound up being 3-1 because in the 92nd minute it we had what looked like was going to be a sure goal for Messi but he just happened to shoot it pretty much right at Pacheco and pacheco made the save again
0: this is where my dad would have yelled at Messi to say kick with your right foot because yeah (laughs) because in this one he kicked with his left and he kind of toe poked it and you know obviously he can probably toe poke it you know better than his right with his left obviously but in that moment i think if he would have just opened up with his right he could have gone near post and scored an easier goal because pacheco was on his knees and he couldn't have gotten to the ground so, um, it was a great build-up again, and sure enough, the commentators were going crazy here, because just of the build-up, how he just pumped, you know, he faked that he's going to shoot, guy slides away, he goes to the right, and, yeah, he sh- I mean, obviously, these are minor little things, but um, it would have been a golasso as well.
1: Yeah, and Paco made a great pass on that play to Messi.
0: Yeah, and, and he almost had another chance to score, too, but Suarez took the volley at one moment. He could have passed it square to Paco, I don't remember, in what minute, but um, you know, again, it just shows the depth now that we have on the team that we can just throw out Paco. Uh, we can substitute Sergio Roberto and Semedo. It just gives us so many options tactically, and also, you know, it, it reserves us if we have any injuries going forward. You know, but you know, at the beginning of the season, we were harping about how weak our bench was and how we're going to survive the season. And now, you know, with Dembele, Coutinho, um, Sergio Roberto coming more playing time, Paco playing you know playing minutes it's just we have so much depth and the way he's using it is is brilliant just keeping the players fresh everyone engaged everyone feels important i mean even digne got the start you know i mean he's probably like one of the lower um players on the totem pole you know as, as a starter as a starter and he was able to get playing time and he feels part of the team as well
1: yeah now do you think that in picking the starting lineup do you think that velgreen underestimated alavez a little bit
0: no, I don't think so. I mean I love it I mean, think about if Alaves doesn't score. I mean we go 0-0 into halftime, let's say, and we just make those adjustments and maybe he still brings in uh Sergi and, and Alba back in, but at the same time I don't think he underestimated. I just you know, again, that's like Iniesta said, it's not it's not mathematics. You know, the other team um has their scouting, their they're professionals and sometimes we were unable to connect our passes in the in the last third, so it,
1: that's just how. I mean, that's sports, baby. Yeah, and really looking at the starting lineup, really the only potentially weak side was was Dina. The rest of the the rest of the lineup was really solid, anyway.
0: Yeah, and Dina also almost scored a goal too. I mean, so imagine if he would have scored that goal in the, in the first half, right? He had a chance where he just hit it wide, right? And so if he scores a goal and we go one one, he makes a substitution. I mean, it's just. You know, there's just such a difference between him and Alba, right? I mean, it's a huge disparity. Whereas other positions around the field, there's not that much. I mean, there is, but it's not a huge disparity like with the Alba Digne um, depth of it. You know, there's a huge difference. And you can just see, I mean, the commentators, Twitter, you, me, we all know. We can just, we we see it in two minutes. Like Alba comes in and it's like, all of a sudden we're just running again, you know? And yeah, so as soon as he came in and your boy Roberto came in, I was like we're going we're gonna to pull this victory out just because I know um, they were going to have more possession and just have really good buildup as well.
1: Yeah. Now, okay, let's talk about the substitutions. And again, we're quibbling at this point, but that's exactly what this show is for. So in the 52nd minute, Semedo comes in for Sergi. And then in the 65th minute, Paco comes in for Coutinho. Hypothetical, what if in the 52nd minute, Sergi were to come in for Coutinho instead, leave Semedo out there? And then maybe Paco comes in later for someone else.
0: Yeah, I think that would have been, you know, I, we've talked about so many times we want Sergio Roberto to play more in midfield because I think that's where he's most valuable, you know, being up, the, up there. He understands that role. But again, I understand he wants to, you know, Val Green probably wants to have the most possession he can and just having Samato out for Sergio Roberto is going to give him that. And also um, I think he wanted to give Coutinho some more time um, and then, bringing Paco in is just a you know another threat up there with Suarez you know in the four four two type of system, so um, yeah, I mean I, I can go either way, but again, Val Green just pushes the right buttons again. I mean, we got the victory yeah, i mean that 's the most important thing
1: yeah, he got the victory at, from behind, always nice, so who was your man of the match? So my man of the match, um, other than
0: Messi uh, tonight for me was Rakitic. I think Rakitic had a really solid game. he played in the Busquets role. And, it's again, this is something that maybe two years ago I wouldn't even envision Rakitic playing in that Busquets role. And to have him to be above average when Busquets needs a rest is really nice to have because, you know, Mascherano could have played in that position before. Obviously, now that he's been transferred, we don't have that option. But it's really, really nice because Rakitic is, I mean, he's a solid player for us. He can play on the right. He can play in this defensive mid Um, connection with the defense and the attack as we always say the battery right the battery of the defense so for me Rakitic um you know on the goal unfortunately he made a really bad play where he got the ball stolen away from him but um I mean the rest of the match he was okay really solid so for me uh he was my man of the match other than Messi what do you think about that
1: I think that's a great selection and I think that he does perform that Busquets role very well of course he doesn't do it in the same way that Busquets does and maybe at times not quite as effectively but he's very serviceable in that role and whenever Busquets needs the rest like you mentioned you know he, it's good to have Rakitic there where we know he can he can fill in
0: yeah i think that's a good point you know obviously busquets is the best in the world right so that's that's a hard those are hard shoes to fill but uh, i think defensively rakitic is, can get his nose dirty in there and make good tackles for the most part and then he doesn't make too many um, risky passes going forward, right? He always knows how to connect that. So I think that's why it really suits him. So again, this could give him some more longevity in Barca because, you know, he, how many other players do you know out in the world that can play in that Busquets role and do it really as well as Rakitic, you know? So um, this could give him another life kind of um, going forward with Barca in the upcoming years. So who was your man of the match other than Messi?
1: Andres Iniesta. You know, not just for his work on the build-up and unlikely assist on the first goal, but in this game overall, he was just, he was totally on fire. The level of invention in his play and the sharpness of his dribbling, his passing, and his movement, they were they were classic Iniesta, you know, like at his best. He was It was just like he was at the top of his game.
0: For this, and also the commentators that I was watching, they were talking about how this is the first match of the season that he's played the full match. And I thought for sure he was going to gas out a little bit, you know, but in the 90th and the 88th minute, he still looked like the old Iniesta. And again, I think it's just attributed to Val Green saving his legs the whole season. And again, he had some really great passes. I mean, when he's in a lineup, it just makes our team that much more fluid in attacking and again the moves he does and the the vision he has is just it's ridiculous and it's funny because the commentators here call him manchego like the cheese cuz that's where <laughs> you know and they just like so i was you know i was working on something i had the game on i'm i'm doing both things and, and i just keep hearing manchego manchego and i'm just like who what are they cuz i'd never really I guess I just never noticed it or whatever. And then I was like, are they calling Iniesta Manchego? And I'm like, they are. And I was like, wow, okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, he is from that region. Yeah, yeah I know, right? I know, I know,
0: I know. But it's just, you know, for me, it's just Don, right? The Don. He's Don Andres, right? Like, he's the greatest uh, Spanish footballer. Like, he won the World Cup. That guy can get free drinks anywhere in Spain, you know? Um, but for yeah, for the rest of his life. For the rest of his life, and so yeah, so just a really great game from him. And again, he just shows his masterclass. And again, he had the great quote
1: after the game that football is not mathematics. So what lies ahead for Barcelona this next week? Well, we have two matches coming up. First, we've got the Copa del Rey semifinals first leg against Valencia, and then we also have Espanyol again in La Liga this time. So first up, Valencia in the semifinals, Copa del Rey. Uh, You know, Valencia, they've dropped points in La Liga, but they're still having a very good season, better than they've had in a while. We drew them in the first leg at the Mestalla, and I think we're going to need our best 11 to get the win on this, even with the home advantage. You know, the schedule is getting tougher as the rounds of the Copa del Rey progress, and we can't rest our players as much, but we need to to have them out there for these. Brian, this is going to be a, a difficult
0: match just because Valencia is a strong team. They're not going to win La Liga. They're not in champions. And this is kind of their Super Bowl. So they're going to put all their eggs into this basket for these two legs. And I watched them against Real Madrid, and they're a really good quality team, especially at home. Um, The two players that I'm particularly scared of is Rodrigo. I just think that he's a quality striker, and he's not scared. And when you have a striker that's not scared of the opponent like that, like he doesn't care if it's against Real Madrid or Barcelona, he potentially can be... Lethal or dangerous, you know, so he's a player that we have to watch. Another one for me, too, is Gonzalo Guedes. He's been having a spectacular season against Real Madrid. They put him on the right and usually plays up the center, but he could definitely cause some problems Just because not only is he talented, he's got really great footwork. Um, passing the ball, seeing the attack really well, but also he's very physical as well. So that's where we may need Polly to mark him up, rough him up a little bit and mark him. But again, I always prefer in these type of matches to have the, the home game on the second leg as opposed to the first leg. So this is going to be really um, decisive because if we can maybe get a 2-0 win with no away goals, that'll definitely give us
1: a severe advantage for sure. Yeah. And with uh, with our playing home in the first leg, we would almost not have to, but it would you know put us in a much better position. So that would be that would be the goal to shoot for. Exactly. And, and I think Val Green is definitely going to emphasize that
0: on our defense. Again, when we play at home, we always get more calls just because the home field advantage. And also, you know, with with this leg, I think we're going to have our strongest lineup as well.
1: Yeah, and then at the weekend, we're going to be playing Espanyol again in La Liga. And this is going to be back at RCDE Stadium, you know, just on the other side of town in Barcelona. So this is the third Barcelona Derby match in the space of only a few weeks. Uh, a couple other things. It's a 4:15 kickoff, which, as we have mentioned and as you have made me aware, is kind of a weird time of day for a kickoff. And everyone is a little bit off their, their game a bit. And after the defeat at RCDE Stadium in the first round of the cup quarterfinals a couple weeks ago will the crowd be up for this match like they were for that one and and will espanol yeah and
0: i think they will and the other thing too is like after the espanol match the copa del rey match PK and busquets had some comments calling espanol i think it was deportivo de cornelia which is like the the suburb of barcelona where they are and espanol took offense to this right and it's kind of a jab, right? It's kind of, uh, I think it would be the equivalent of like, let's say the New York Giants and the New York Jets, right? Like the Giants have had more success. And even though they're in the same city, you kind of, you know, the Jets fans, I don't know, like it's that type of rivalry. You know what I'm saying? And Barcelona has been so good for so long that they kind of don't really think of Espanol as a real threat. And with these comments, Espanol wanted to... um uh, they brought these comments and these allegations to La Liga. So we'll see what happens. You know the crowd's going to be fired up again. They're going to be fired up, uh, especially after all these comments that PK and Busquets made about them. And again, it's going to be a tough match. It's going to be a tough match. And for me, I there, there really aren't that many players to watch. I had a hard time picking someone, but I guess... The main guy would be Victor Sanchez, their central midfielder, their captain. He's kind of their, um, their driving force. He's the one that is in charge of their attack. He's also, again, their captain, so he kind of has that presence. But for me, since we have more possession, usually his influence on the game isn't as, as high. So that's my player to watch. But again, it's going to be a tricky game, just especially with all the outside things uh, circling. the Seriously? <laughs> this is going to be a tough match especially with the all the the political climate surrounding this game especially with the comments by pk and busquets from the last match
1: yeah and just as far as being in the stadium in the moment you know depending upon which referee it is i uh, forgot to check who the referee is going to be for this match but you know with the crowd being there that Espanol's going to have the home field advantage. Barcelona's not going to get as many calls, so Espanol can play them more physically again. And they don't really need so much of the ball to make something happen. Yeah, and the other thing, too, is that we could come out with a team with, like, Andres, Gomes,
0: uh, Pauli in that midfield to help bring more physicality. And also using Coutinho, because Coutinho's used to Premier League-style toughness, and so he might be able to uh, add something to this match Counteracting that, but again it 's just going to be it doesn 't matter the ref Brian, they all suck in La liga, so it 's just like <laughs> i mean they 're all terrible, like they get no support from the La liga to get better they don 't have goal line technology or var, so again it 's just they get left on the island like. We, I was telling you we were commenting the match in the Copa del Rey match about Lahoz, right? And like you were saying, oh, this guy is really good. I'm like, no, he's not that good. Like you think he's good because compared to the other one, especially the last Copa del Rey match against at Espanol, that guy was, that guy was just giving nothing to Barcelona, you know. And yeah, Lahoz was giving some some calls to Barcelona, but at the same time, like he should have given out more yellow cards, and it's it's. Man, the rest here are awful, but whatever.
1: Um, (laughs) I did not say that he was really good. I said that he's one of the better referees in Spain. Let me
0: look look at the What's Up real quick. It says here, okay, Brian, okay, here it says, (laughs) Lajos is the best. I'm his number one fan.
1: Can't argue with that. I have it here on WhatsApp. I think you're actually just looking at Laos' Twitter feed. That's not my, I didn't say that.
0: You're right. You did say he's, he's the better. He's kind of like the Andres Gomes of refereeing, right? Like he has a couple of matches and you're like, yeah, he's not bad. But then like. Uh, he's he's not that good. But yeah, it's like, like. Yeah, he's no Howard Webb. <laughs> so yeah, it's going to be um, a highly contested match. It's going to be difficult. I just hope we don't get any uh, red cards or ejections or fights or injuries from that type of match.
1: Barza Talk is written by Gabriel Quiroga and myself, Brian Henderson. The show is edited by Brian Henderson and the music is also by Brian Henderson. Gabriel Quiroga is our promotion and social media manager, which means this is a two-man show. Go ahead and be a part of it. Give us your comments, questions, topics you'd like us to discuss. Visit BarsaTalk.net and find the contact page or one of our social media channels. And if you want to support the show, click on the support tab at BarsaTalk.net to do that. Remember to subscribe, rate, review, and spread the word about BarsaTalk. Until next week, I'm Brian Henderson. I'm Gabriel Quiroga. And this is BarsaTalk. Thanks for Listening, Vizcaya Barça. Vizcaya Sports Social Podcast Network